Well, good morning. Uh, we find ourselves at the end of another week. And one of the things that I know that's probably true of you is this last week didn't go anything like you expected that it would. And if things for these past few months hold consistent, uh, the next week isn't going to go like you expected. It'll go right now. And just in light of that reality, I just want you to sit back this morning and be reminded that even in the midst of uncertainty, you have absolutely everything you need right now at your disposal to live a life full of worship, right? God's got you. Um, and so what we're going to do as we end off this week is we're going to do a little bit of a throwback and just be reminded of um, the truth that worship doesn't depend on observation, what things look like on the outside, but revelation, who God is. So I pray that you will be blessed uh, and enjoy it. So have a great weekend. Love you. Worship. Right. And we use that word all of the time. Here's my definition of worship, the best definition that I can think of. And that's this worship is this. It is you coming to the realization. That the state of your soul doesn't have to match your surroundings. Worship is this. It is the realization that the state of your soul doesn't have to match your surroundings. Um, fashion changes. In the 90s and 2000s as I grew up, uh, it was cool to be like really, like really, really matchy, matchy, right? So your undershirt would match the logo, right? The polo would match your shoes and all that. Like you would have to like match. And people that mismatched were looked at as peculiar and strange because it all had to match. But now we live in a day and an age where it's cool to, to be like mismatched, right? I'm a product of the 90s, so I, yeah, I still can't, right? My shoes are black and white because my shirt is black and white, right? But I think this, though. Listen, being mismatched is actually the best picture of faith, true faith and trust at work. Worship is this, the realization, the state of your soul doesn't have to match your surroundings. Look here, because God can't change. And your circumstances, however good or bad they are, can't remain the same. They can't help but to change. God is steady and constant. God won't change. Your circumstances are the weather. It's raining right now. It is foolish for you to go home and to sell all of your summer clothes and shoes and buy only rain boots as if just because it rains right now, it will only rain. That's not the truth. Your circumstances... They change. So put your hope in, in more kids, in a better job, in anything else. And what you'll find is those kids, right? You start to be like kids, right? That job, job, 
But what he's saying is God doesn't change. God's greatest hits aren't memories. They're promises because he doesn't change. So worship becomes this. Hear me. A response to revelation, not observation. We tend to treat worship as a response to observation. It's hard for me to worship. There's things in my life just are going real bad. I don't feel like anything is changing right now or like it will change. And all these things that I hope God will change won't change. And that may be true, but that has absolutely nothing to do with your joy. That has absolutely nothing to do with worship. Worship is a response to to who God says that he is. And if he doesn't change, then we always have a reason to worship because we are worshiping him, not just what he is presently doing. Because what he's presently doing is a work in progress. It's not done yet. I know you may be in here and you may feel like, but John, you don't get it. Things for me are really dark right now. They are really, really dark. Darker than I ever thought that they would be. And I would say, I don't know why God chose to put that particular darkness into your life. But I do know God allows darkness to come in in the same way that when you're sitting in a theater, before the show goes up, the lights go off. And you know, right, you're very mad when the movie starts and the lights are still on because what you're saying is, yo, I can't see it all that well. You want those lights to go off, not so you can focus on the darkness, but so that the picture pops off of the screen and you can enjoy what takes place as that darkness comes in. What he's saying is, God, things are really dark, darker than I've ever thought that they would be. And what he's saying, God's saying, I'm using this so that the picture would pop. Listen, your people in the deepest darkness are often the ones that are most well-equipped to have the deepest joy Because they're not blinded by shallow substitutes. Listen to Jupiter Hammond. Free black man. 1787. Talking to a group of African Americans. Some slaves. Some free. In America. A country that was founded for religious freedom. This is 40 years after the Great Awakening, what most folks talk about as one of the greatest revivals to sweep across our nation. And 40 years later, he's sitting in a group of folks who this religion and revival did almost nothing to free them out of their present bondage. You can imagine if there's an attack on being minority and Christian right now, imagine back then. He's sitting with these room, in, in this room of folks and listen to what he says. Listen to how he describes their darkness. He says this, now my brethren, 
It seems to me that there are no people that ought to attend to the hope of happiness in another world so much as we do. Most of us are cut off from comfort and happiness here in this world and can expect nothing from it. Now, seeing this is the case, why should we not take care to be happy? I lost my place. Now, seeing this case, why should we not take care to be happy after death? Why should we spend our whole lives in sinning against God and be miserable in this world and in the world to come? If we do this, we shall certainly be the greatest of fools. We shall be slaves here and slaves forever. We cannot plead so great temptations to neglect religion as others. Riches and honors, all the good things in life, which drown the greater part of mankind, who have the gospel in perdition, or people who have the gospel in their heads, but are in hell, can be little or no temptation to us. What he tells this group is that your darkness has actually showed you the shallowness of the things that people put their hope in. I can't explain the darkness. I do not have special insight into the particular ways that God wants to use it in your life. I don't know and I can't claim to speak on behalf of him for what he's specifically trying to do there. All I know is his track record. That the people of God have always been in trouble. They've always been in dark. They've always had their back against the, the wall. And God has always delivered them. Every single time.